Welcome to the Beware the Moon podcast. My name is Hannah, and today I'm going to be reviewing a movie that came out in 2013. Two of the producers on this movie are Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell. This was directed by Fetty Alvarez, who also helped with the screenplay. This is a remake that I think really kind of is more accurately classified as a requel, but this is 2013, so requels didn't exist. I am, if you are not a fan of horror, you might not know what I'm talking about yet. I'm talking about the 2013 Evil Dead remake, which had some very, uh, very interesting, very divided opinions. So fans of the original, some of them didn't like this one a lot, um, because this... This remake is not, like, a remake remake. It, we're not talking... So in the original, the main character is this man named Ash. But in this remake, there is no Ash until the very end at the end credits. And it's not necessarily the same plot, per se. Like, it's not the Necronomicon Ex Mortis that's the, the catalyst for the events. It's a similar style book. It's a similar plot just the bare bones, like the spine of it, but the way they fill out the skeleton of the movie and the way that they put the muscles and the meat on it is completely different from the original Evil Dead. The concept for this movie was, what if Evil Dead, but no funny business? And, like, what if we just played it completely straight? Like, you know, we're not just... A bunch of kids having fun in a cabin filming a movie what if we take this movie like very seriously and we make it as scary as possible and I think that this movie accomplishes that goal so well so so well and I think that that's kind of one of the reasons that the, the fans of the original didn't like it because they're like it's not as it's not there's none of the humor in it which was kind of the point of this one and it did have like I said Sam Raimi who was the original writer and director one of the original writers and the original director of the first Evil Dead he was also one of the original producers he gave this movie his blessing and he like I said, he produced. He was one of the producers on this one as well. And Bruce Campbell, who plays Ash in the original series, he also gave this movie his blessing. He also helped produce it, and he also makes a brief cameo at the end. And so what that tells you is this movie is not necessarily a remake remake. It's more of a movie that has a different plot, different characters happening in the same universe as Ash. So it, it's kind of a requel, but like I said, that didn't really exist back in 2013. I'm sure um, films that are requels existed at that time, of course, but that, that term and that phrasing and that idea wasn't necessarily in the mainstream at that time. So not, it didn't go over well with fans of the original. And so there wasn't a remake, despite this uh, making 54 mil at the box office, I think is what it made. It's got a 63% on Rotten Tomatoes, both from the critics and the audience score, which is kind of a, a really amazing thing there. But um, like I said, I think that's mostly due to the stigma around remaking such a popular franchise with such a devoted fan base. And very valid. Like, I, I understand. The Evil Dead original series is amazing. I've watched it except Army of Darkness, but the first two I've watched, and I love them. I love those two movies. I think they're great. Um, I think they're trying to accomplish something very different from this movie, and the tone is very different, but I think that all of them are valid in their own ways, and I think that all of them are amazing movies in their own ways, and like I said, they're not trying to accomplish the same stuff, so I think that's important to keep in mind. All that said, if you don't care about any of that shit, you're just looking for something really scary, I highly recommend this movie. It is butt-clenching, nerve-wracking, oh-shit horror. Like, it is incredible. My first watch of this movie was so tense. And before I even got into horror, I remember it was playing on some TV station, 
and I was, you know, channel surfing or something. I walked in, my brother was channel surfing, and I saw a brief clip from the end of the movie, and it just terrified me so badly. I remember seeing that and going, I don't know what movie this is, but no thank you, I don't want any part of it. Holy shit, that's fucking scary, which... Now that I love horror, I'm like, oh my gosh. And then I, when I saw this, I was like, oh my gosh, that's that scene. It's that movie. It's just that movie. And it was amazing. I was so thrilled that I had found that movie and I was actually watching it. I felt so accomplished, so achieved. But um, this movie is a really intense movie. And uh, I just, I highly recommend it if you're looking for something to just terrify you. And you, there's no like... There's no, like, cheap jump scares. And what is a cheap jump scare versus a, you know, a not cheap jump scare? You know, a very well-placed jump scare. A cheap jump scare is taking advantage of just the mood in the situation. And, you know, it's when the character opens a door and one of their friends pops up behind them and scares them. It's totally fine in small doses of movies. I think if that's your main bulk of scares... You don't have a horror movie. You've got something else going on. But this movie does not do that. I think this movie's atmosphere, the characters, the situations, all of it is very tense. It's the kind of scares that stick with you. They don't just scare you for a moment. It's the stuff that kind of keeps haunting you and haunting you and haunting you. And that's why I really recommend this movie if that's what you're looking for. It's definitely not for the faint of heart. Um, there's... There's a, a lot of, like, body horror type stuff going on. Just, like, nails and people and tongues being split in half by razor blades. It's, it's insane. Um, and like I said, I always try to look out for obvious triggers. So, trigger warning of drug use. Um, there's not active drug use happening, but the, the main character, she is a junkie trying to recover. So at the very beginning of the movie, she dumps her dope down a well. And that's like the only drug use we really see. And there's also a trigger warning for a rape scene. Um, if you don't know the original Evil Dead, what I'm about to say is gonna just like, what? To your brain. Um, but she, the main character goes out into the woods and she gets raped by the woods. And like I said, that's you're like, what? It'll make sense more later. Um, and I will say that, so this movie, like I said, is a remake. So it does have a lot of the same elements of the original. Um, like this, the forest rape scene. However, I would say watching the original versus watching this one. This one is not as scandalous. It feels more purposeful than the original the original just kind of seemed like it was just being it was just doing the scene to do the scene you know to be shocking you know and it, it, it treats it kind of like scandalously you know we're getting shots of like legs and stuff this one is like oh no this is a brutal moment like it's brutal it's quicker than the original from what I can remember it's been a hot second since I've seen the original but I remember after watching the original I did see this one and I thought oh this this wood rape scene is like not as graphic and not as jarring to me as the original and to be fair Sam Raimi has said in interviews in the past that he kind of wishes he never did that scene um he says that he, he thought it was just, it was too much in the aftermath. So, uh, good for him because it really was <laughs> in the original. So, if you're watching the original, uh, yeah, there you go. Trigger warning for you on the original. Um, but we're going to go ahead and get into the spoiler territory. So, cut out here if you want to go watch the movie. It's a really good movie. Like I said, it's real terrifying. Highly recommend and it just, it takes that cabin in the, kids in a cabin in the woods movie and just, I mean, it goes to the extreme with it, which is just incredible. And I love this movie a lot. So for the cold open, we've got this girl running through the woods. She's being pursued by these dirty hillbilly men. And of course you're like, oh, run girl, run. Cause that's your natural instinct. They kidnap her. They throw a bag over her head, knock her out and stuff. She wakes up in a voodoo basement, which is always an excellent situation. Um, when you get kidnapped by a bunch of hillbilly men, it's great to wake up in a voodoo basement. 
and there's like all these dead cats hanging from the ceiling and there's this lady speaking a different language talking about a book and this girl's tied to this post in this basement and I think I think for me some of this dialogue is a little too on the nose I'm not a big fan of the dialogue but the scene itself is just oh it's amazing so her dad is there and you're like what the fuck dad and she's like where's mom and he's like you know she's dead you killed her and she's like what and the the lady who's speaking a different language is screaming about how you need to do this blah 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 to cleanse her soul so the dad starts pouring to me the first time I watched this it looked like apple juice to me and probably it is apple juice but like in the movie it's it's gasoline and I was like oh what the hell so dad dad pours gasoline on her and she's begging him not to do this and you know he's just going through with it and there's all these weird people in the basement watching and plot twist the weirdos are right the hillbillies were right she is super possessed mega possessed clearly by a non-benevolent entity um this entity is talking about um murder and murdering the mom and it's it's not great so the dad sets her on fire and the evil entity is like still screaming at them which is great love that for them and he tells her he loves her and then he blows her head off with a shotgun and you're like holy shit and that's that's like the tone of this movie is just holy shit and then we cut to title card we get this driving scene you know just to set up the setting it's this beautiful mountain scenery and it's just gorgeous we're just getting to see all these woods and mountains and rivers and then we show up at a really shitty cabin <laughs> and my dad says it's my dad was like it's organized wood at best it's not even really a cabin and he's right it's like this it's like the shack in the woods that they show up at and there's like a friend reunion and we get the introduction to the characters and David and Natalie are showing up in the Jeep and uh, David is apparently the big sister to Mia and Natalie is his girlfriend and Olivia and Eric are childhood friends of theirs we find out later and they're kind of together it seems and then there's Mia. And so we get this friend reunion, intro to the characters, and I I love Natalie. Like, I, I, I freaking love Natalie. She's one of my favorite characters in all horror movies ever because she's just such a compassionate human being. And she shows up to this situation to be, like, a supportive girlfriend to her boyfriend who's trying to be a supportive big brother to his junkie sister. And that's, like, a really awkward situation to show up in. And she's never met Mia before. So, like, it's extremely awkward to be, like, yeah, I'll go with you to do this thing and da-da-da-da-da. But she volunteers. She's here and she's got a great attitude about it. And I just love her. And Natalie deserved better. Hashtag justice for Natalie. She deserves so much better. She's an amazing character. Just remains compassionate and kind throughout. Which we hardly ever get to see. So, um, David goes behind the cabin to talk to Mia, his sister, and, uh, as they're talking, this dog comes in, and the dog's name is Grandpa, and I absolutely love Grandpa. I, I love, I love him. He's such a good dog, and he's not even in the movie that much. We need more Grandpa in this movie. Best actor in the whole film. 10 out of 10. 15 out of 10. I would hire Grandpa to be my dog. Um, so while they're talking, David's talking to her, and he he does this, he's like, oh, what's that? She's like, what? And he freaks her out for a second, and then he does this really shitty magic trick where he pulls this necklace out of her ear, and it's, uh, you know, it's like a joke, and he gives her this necklace, and he's like, it's this type of wood which is supposed to help your you know your resolve or whatever strengthen your spirit or whatever it is and she's like I thought you didn't believe in that shit and he's like I don't but you do and this is important to you so and it's a really sweet moment it's a really thoughtful gift um and they're talking and Mia says to him promise me you'll stay with me till the end <laughs> whoops <laughs> don't don't make that don't make that promise this is a horror movie this is a bad idea but David says yep 
I promise. He says, cross my heart and hope to die. Everything. And you're like, oh shit, rest in peace, David. <laughs> right off the bat, you're like, maybe he's not gonna, he's probably not gonna make it. Just like if you know horror movies, you're like, yeah, that guy's dead. Um, so then they cut to this scene where Mia is, like I said, chucking her dope down a well and she makes this big speech and promises not to touch drugs again. And that turns out, like, that's the reason why we're here. This isn't a vacation. It's like an intervention. So they're here. So Mia is stranded. She can quit cold turkey. And she doesn't have access to more. Uh, I think she does cocaine. It's not really explicit. It's either cocaine or heroin. It's not like she's smoking weed. She's, like, doing hard drugs. So... This is why we're here, and I think that's a big difference between the original and this one. The whole catalyst for what brings them to this cabin, completely different. There's there's not really a mention of drugs or drug intervention in the original. It seems like they're just there to have a good time, whereas this is like, no, we're not here to have a good time. Like, Mia's gonna go crazy, she's quitting cold turkey, we're here to support her and help her through this. So... Uh, after they chuck the dope, they're they're going into the cabin, and David pulls out the key and notices it's been broken into. And my note, my next note is, wish there was more Grandpa in this movie. I just miss Grandpa. Just need more of him in my life. Um, they get in the cabin, and immediately they're like, Mia's like, what's that smell? Like it smells so gross. Um, and that's when you get the first kind of line about the parents in this movie. So these, I call them kids, but they're not kids. They're, you know, in their early to mid-20s probably. And Mia says something about mom would have hated seeing the cabin like this. So you kind of write off, that's like the first mention of mom. And you kind of get, oh, their mom is dead. And there's no mention of a dad in this movie. So it seems like David and Mia were just raised by their mom. So then we cut to they're kind of perusing through the cabin and they see some cute old photos tacked up on the on the board in the in the one room. And Mia mentions to David a lullaby that her mom used to sing. And why the fuck did she sing that song to her kids? What kind of fucked up shit is that? How is that supposed to help you sleep? She sings something like baby little baby, it's time to say goodbye, baby little baby, don't cry, or some bullshit like that. And you're like, that's that's not why did you just stick with the classics or something? Just sing London Bridges, sing Lady Gaga at them. I don't give a shit. Don't be scaring them like that. Like that's that's not gonna help them sleep. It's actually a root cause of Mia's drug use. It's not even the fact that her mom died. It's the fact that her mom sang this lullaby. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Anyway, so Mia makes it really clear that she's, you know, she's still hurt and she's still bitter about being the only one who had to deal with their mom dying. Um, and her and David have this whole conversation and David talks about like you know I wanted to be there but I just got this, this job and da 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 and by the time I finally had time to leave you know it was already too late and I'm like that's clearly it's bullshit and he knows it's bullshit like the way he delivers the lines you're like that's bullshit and you know it because like who what what job I'm pretty sure it's not even legal in America to be like oh your mom's dying yeah no you have to work like we're not gonna let you off for that we're gonna fire you like his mom and even if it's not illegal most people aren't like that like they're gonna let you go see your dying mom like that's that's such a bullshit excuse and he knows it so then we cut to a scene where um, Olivia and Eric and David are talking while Natalie Mia and grandpa are in the yard um and Olivia kind of spills the beans to David and lets him know, like, hey, we've tried this before with Mia and she broke. So this time we don't want to let her leave if she wants to go back because we don't think that there's going to be a next time for her. You know, she actually OD'd and she legally died. She had to be defibrillated. And so David's like, you know, that you can see that affects him, but he's like, I came here to make things better with my sister, not worse. So if she asks me to leave, I'm going to have to take her. He's kind of like, I, I can't be on board with this. Um, and then in the background, we see like me and Natalie are playing with grandpa and I just want more grandpa. <laughs> Where's my grandpa in this movie? I just want more grandpa. 
And then we cut to Mia freaking out in the bedroom. And everybody's, like, trying to calm her down. And she's like, I can't stand that fucking smell. And I just have to say, the actress for Mia, Jane Levy, she sells Mia so well. Her acting is, like, 100% on Mia. She does such an amazing job in this movie, regardless of, like, what angle she's playing. She just does amazing, and I love it. So she's still going on about the smell. And Grandpa, for the wind, he finds uh, a hatch to the basement, and it's got some, like, great like good good signs you know blood coming out of the hatch like you would want to see to your basement and it was covered up by a rug and grandpa of course being a dog he smells it out knocks the rug away and they're like oh okay and then david as he's going down into the basement he's like oh watch these steps they're old rot old and rotting and blah 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 and I just love that this movie has so many little things, like just like passing lines that come back later, and that's one of them. And as they're going down, someone makes the comment, smells like burnt hair, and you're like, mm, oh shit. And there are so many dead cats, like the feline cat hater, you know, club is here. My dad at the beginning was like, this is the cat hater club. Like, this is <laughs> this is the weirdest cult ever. But we just fucking hate cats. Welcome to the cat hating cult. And then they walk by one of the posts and David touched it. And he, he touches it and he's like, oh, it looks like something was burnt here. And of course, it's the post where the cold open kill happens. And then they're kind of looking around and they see this book sitting on the table with very clear signs not to touch in it. Not to touch it. Like, just don't even touch it. It's, like, bound in trash bag and barbed wire. So, like, that's a big sign. Don't touch it. And then when you open it, there's even clearer signals not to read it. So maybe uh, leave that alone. Don't touch that. Maybe if you find something like that, just go out back and uh, bury it or something. Throw it in the river. Do whatever you can to get it away from you as soon as possible because that thing is probably sentient and wants to have your soul. Um, just my guess, just my personal view on it, uh, take my advice, maybe, maybe don't, see what happens. Uh, then we cut to Mia out in the rain, she's literally just, like, walking in the rain. And then my next note is, Eric, you absolute fool! He sits there and he cuts the barbed wire away from this book, and then rips open the trash bag, and opens the cover, and reads it, and it's the Naturum de Manto. Uh, so not the Necronomicon, which is the book from the original Evil Dead. And then this buffoon goes so far out of his way to summon a demon. Like, why is he a teacher? Clearly his brain is broken. Like, he, he should not be teaching kids because he literally, it's not even like, like this book isn't like, just like in a different language or whatever. It is. But then there are like written like in blood, scratched in blood through the book is don't read it don't look at it don't even think it don't say the words don't do this don't look at this book turn this book away throw this book out send it back to hell like he just like all these clear warnings like they could have written eric stop what you're doing and he would have just kept going and then and then they they on the page that says don't read it don't think it they have completely with like a normal ass pen scratched out the words there and this man has to get a piece of paper and do the like shading trick in order to get the words and then as soon as he starts shading them he starts saying them I'm like Jesus Christ we're gonna die we're all gonna die why is this man allowed to teach children clearly his thinker is broken he's so dumb and I was at the first time I watched this movie I was like I hope this man gets it. Like, I hope this man has the worst death in this movie because, oh my gosh, this is all his fault. What a fucking idiot. So, out in the rain, you know, she's just doing her rain walk, and then uh, Eric is in the cabin by himself, in a room by himself. He reads this incantation aloud, and as soon as he does, Mia pukes. And she sees a, a not good in the woods. I'm, I'm not sure what it is, but it's a, it's a not good. And she validly freaks out and is like, I, we got to get the fuck out of here. There's something in the woods. Which everybody's like, you know, Olivia kind of leads the charge of she's doing her junkie bullshit. 
So they won't let her leave. And poor Natalie, like Natalie is just like here in this awkward situation. <laughs> like she had to take time off from work to come here and do this. Like just like what a good human being. Like David, if you don't wife that woman, like I don't know where he went and found her, but wherever that place is, every man should go there to find a woman. I'm just saying, she is A1, just the best. So, um, there's the, so Mia's like, I want to leave, blah, 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 and David's like, she looks to David, and he's like, no, we're not going to let you leave. Heartbroken, very big sadness. She runs off and slams the door, uh, but she uses her junkie skills to steal the keys to Olivia and Eric's vehicle, and she goes out a window and drives off into the rain. And as she's driving, you can see that she's got some, like, regret going on. And she's like, fuck, 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 fuck. And then uh, the no good is in the road. So she, of course, swerves, which, why would you do that? That's the thing you saw in the woods that scared you enough to make you want to leave. So, like, if you see it in the road, just hit it. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Even if that's some random-ass person. They're standing in the rain wearing, like, a white smock. Their face is all fucked up. They're screaming at you. They're just standing there. If you hit them, it's it's their bad. I'm sorry. Not sorry. Like, it, no. Just just hit her. But uh, Mia doesn't. She hasn't listened to my podcast, so she doesn't know. So she uh, swerves as, you know, is always a bad idea. Overcorrecting is a big, big killer, guys. Watch out for overcorrecting in your vehicle. She crashes into a bog. And the car is submerged. And it's not, like, completely submerged where Mia is drowning. It's just, it's, like, submerged to the point where it's like, oh, you're fucked. You're you're not going to be able to get that out of there. So Mia crawls out of the car and into the water. And she's, like, swimming out of the bog. Still trying to, like, she's not going back the way she came. She's trying to get out of, um, she's clearly still trying to get out of, the cabin's area she's trying to get back to civilization so she swims the opposite way and she turns back because she hears them calling for her her friends and then the spooky the no good pops out of the water uh which is always a great sign and then run me run she runs out into the woods and she's like booking it and, and this thing is just chasing her like a freaking i don't even know like it's like a bird it's just flying through the air like you you're so screwed mia oh my sweet jesus and then this is when the branch rape happens and i like i said it's not done like as sexually as the original in my opinion like it's not a sexy scene which the original is kind of doing some of that um but this is not that at all. This is like a brutal scene. So Mia sees that she gets caught in all these branches and the branches are holding her arms apart and her legs apart. And she sees the evil spirit, the no good. And it, it vomits out this like branch that goes up into Mia. So like I said, not really a sexual. It seems to be more of a means of possessing her. So it serves a function in this movie, like a very clear function in my opinion. And it's not... It's not as sexually charged, which I still don't like it, but I think that that's, if you're going to have that scene in the movie, this is a better way to do it. So then they find Mia, and um, then we get this scene where it's Olivia and Eric versus David and Natalie, and Olivia and Eric are like, she's a junkie, just pulling her junkie bullshit, like she's just doing junkie stuff, and David and Natalie are like, maybe we should take her to a hospital. She's she's talking about seeing things in the woods. She was just in a wreck. She's got thorns in her. And Olivia's like, listen, I'm a nurse. It's fine. I'm taking care of her. And Mia is freaked out. Like, she's just, like, majorly winging out, like, the biggest eyes, like, bigger than a pug's eyes, bigger than any eyes you've ever seen, just, like, freaking the fuck out. And David goes in there, and this convinces him that she's just doing junky shit. So... Any, any hope she had of someone actually getting her out of there dies because she's like, there's something in the woods. And the way she's, the line delivery and just like the physical acting of it, you're like, oh man, Mia, you're so <laughs> shooting yourself in the foot, kid. Like, you're killing your chances here. And like I said, David is like, oh yeah, she's pulling junky shit. So he tells her to get her act together and kind of leaves the room. And then we see she's definitely not on her junky bullshit. 
she says to David, like, there's something in this room with us, and then we get to see it, which is amazing and wonderful. I hate that thing. Kill it with fire. Um, and then Eric, we, we skip to a scene, or we, uh, cut to a scene where Eric is still fucking with the book, which, why, why are you still doing that, Eric? This is such a bad idea. The second you did this, Mia really freaked the fuck out and bad things happened. Why are you still messing with this thing? But he's very bitter towards David. Um, like, just very, very bitter toward David. Like, just sniping at him, like, this whole movie, practically. And I'm like, why is this asshole, this stupid asshole, allowed to be a teacher? <sighs> and then we cut to a scene where David's removing dead cats in the rain. Just like, like a true man, just taking care of things regardless of the weather. And he can't find Grandpa. And he's calling for Grandpa and whistling for him. And he follows this trail of blood into this hole and the hole like leads up into the bottom of the shed so he goes into the shed and pulls grandpa out of this hole and rip in peace grandpa i miss him every day it's so sad and i'm i'm gonna get so much shit for saying rip in peace but that's just something i say to be stupid and funny ridiculous that's just how i roll so rip in peace grandpa um, David's looking around, he's like, there's like clearly open wounds on Grandpa's like neck and his head, and David's like trying to pat it, and it's caked with blood, his hand is, and he sees a bloody hammer laying on the floor, and that is literally one of the worst ways to go, especially for such a good boy as Grandpa. Um, he definitely deserved way better, and we get, we get this like, this flash that he has that I'm not sure if it's like the demon showing him or if it's just an idea he has, you know, just kind of like imagining something. But we see Mia beats Grandpa to death with the hammer. And that is just, he doesn't deserve that. He's such a good boy. So David goes back into the house and he's like looking for Mia and, try, you know, probably going to confront her about the whole Grandpa situation. Um, but Mia's in the shower, um, fully clothed, which is good, because she ends up, uh, burning her skin. Uh, she, she puts the dial up too high, the temperature too high on the water heater, and I just kind of, like, I don't know if it busts or breaks, or if it's because it's, like, an old school heater, it just does whatever it asks her to do, um, or if it's because of evil powers it gets hotter, but, uh, let me tell you guys saunas and steam you know that's it's okay it's okay in certain degrees um when you're doing it that high uh that's not good for your skin there's a certain point where it's not good for your skin so just be careful of that she she gets third degree burns all over her face and she looks like a fucking zombie now but of course now people are like oh we should probably get her the fuck out of here and eric is like Huh. good thing I, I mean it's actually a good thing he was still fucking with the book because he goes over to the book and he flips open and it says something about the possessed scalding their skin so he's like huh but in the meantime David throws me in his jeep and he tries to drive her out to the main road but because it's been raining so much it's too late the whole road is flooded and David gets out and is just kind of having a like are you fucking kidding me kind of a moment and he looks back and Mia is like foaming at the mouth like rabies style and she's just staring at him with her creepy ass face and that's how you know this is oh this is you guys are fucked so um he takes her apparently takes her back to the house we skip to a scene where olivia is giving them her official med medical diagnosis which is basically just holy shit this is not good um which is really wonderful and helpful and then, not only for the win, she fucking tells Olivia off. She's like, she's like, you should have known that this could have happened. Like, you know her the best, and apparently, and blah, 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 blah. And she wanted to get out of here, and we just didn't listen to her. Clearly, she was a danger to herself, and we should have just taken her to a hospital or something. And Eric says something about, like, like David's like, oh, everything's going to be fine. And Eric says something about... Nothing has been fine since we've got here. Shut the fuck up, Eric. This is your fault. You did this, you piece of shit. Stop jumping down David's throat. Pisses me off. I'm still at the point where I, like, can't stand Eric. Uh, so I'm, I literally have zero tolerance for people who are like that. I'm like, shut your fucking whore mouth. You did this. 
So um, then Mia comes out of the bedroom while they're talking about what to do and how bad things are. And uh, she uh, promises them some nice things. Um, the, the wind blows and the windows open and the door opens to the cabin and she's screaming a lot and there's like a thousand voices going on sort of a deal. And she's like, you're all going to die tonight. And that's, you know, as, as you want to hear from your junkie sister who has been seeing things. And then they're like, uh, Mia, put the gun down. Uh, and, and so they, they, they take the gun from her just in time, almost just in time. David gets shot in the shoulder with the buckshot, which is not bad. He didn't get it blasted directly on him. It's just kind of like that outer circle of, uh, buckshot. So he's got some wounds in his shoulder, but it's not like terrible. He's not like debilitatingly injured. I mean, definitely still not ideal, but, you know, could have been worse. So then they're kind of wrestling Mia around, and Mia gets Olivia on the ground and just fucking vomits into her mouth. And it is the nastiest looking vomit I have ever seen on screen. It is so gross. It's like red and orange and chunky. It's disgusting. She vomits it right into Olivia's mouth. And I gotta say, like, props to both of these actresses like I know this was a really hard stunt for Jane to do but also the actress who plays Olivia like she's got to get all that shit vomited into her mouth and I don't care what it really is I don't care if it's really like Chef Boyardee or like I don't know some kind of chili it's fucking gross looking and I I would not want that in my mouth um so then Olivia kind of they kind of toss Mia off Olivia and into the basement which kind of rough if you think about it like if she wasn't possessed and she was just on her junkie bullshit like that's kind of rough but as it stands she's possessed so it's fine um and then they kind of realize like "Mm, maybe this is beyond crackheaded bullshit like maybe this is not junkie behavior and then Eric finally admits to like maybe this has to do with the witchcraft in the basement and maybe it does have to do with that Eric maybe it has to do with you talking those stupid fucking words like you weren't supposed to do like the book told you not to do maybe it has to do with that Eric and then we get this really oh man this this scene oh it's so fucking gross Olivia goes into the bathroom and sees like her reflection in the mirror she doesn't see it but we see it And the reflection in the mirror is her face cut off so you can see all of her teeth. So she kind of like hardcore Joker style like cuts her into her mouth so you can just always see her teeth. It's fucking horrible. And then uh, the glass shatters and then she tries to leave and she stops. You can see her piss herself and then she turns around and you're like, oh no. So then Eric tries to go in there and uh, the light won't turn on, which is... A wonderful sign always great great to see that um and finally when it does flicker on he sees that olivia's cutting her face off and he slips on a piece of her cheek which is the most disgusting but wonderful plot device ever because he slips and then this is like the catalyst for him wrestling around with olivia and she gets like a needle and like stabs it into his face a bunch of times and the needle gets stuck in his eyeball it's horrible and then in order to stop her he has to beat her head in with like the toilet lid or something it's fucking crazy and then David comes David and Natalie come in and he's like she tried to kill me and there's Olivia dead on the floor and for them they were just like they were just chilling in the other room trying to like you know put David's arm back together but f- so for them it's like oh my word they just walk into this situation it's fucking horrible and Eric gets stabbed so much like so so much and he's got like this big piece of glass in his shoulder so then so then David takes him out to the shed to get duct tape (laughs) and David is just like it's mentioned that he's a mechanic but he is such a mechanic it's so funny like he does the most mechanic things like my dad's a mechanic and he just has that mindset like he's duct taping wounds together it's so funny and so he instructs Natalie she's like he's losing too much blood and he's like he needs liquid and sugar go so she runs back into the house to do that while they're still in the shed and Eric finally admits how bad he fucked up. He He's like, I read something from that book and it sounded like a prayer. And like, that's when all this started happening. Yeah, Eric, 
maybe you shouldn't have done that. But as they're talking, Natalie goes in to the house and she is just a gem. She is so sweet. Like she, there's someone she, she's in this situation with people she doesn't even really know. The only one she knows is her boyfriend. And the one like starting all this bullshit is his sister. But she's still here and she's still trying to help. And I just love her so much because Mia is like calling out to her from the basement and confused and like crying and she's like you were supposed to help me like blah 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 clear manipulation don't fucking fall for it obviously that's the devil but Natalie is like we are trying to help you like you you just you got out of control and it's so sweet the way Natalie's trying to like level with her and she goes down into the basement downfall never go down there never go into the basement in a horror movie also never go into the basement in a horror movie where you clearly know that the possessed person or just a crazy junkie is down there possibly wanting to murder people. Like, maybe don't do that. But, um, Natalie doesn't, she doesn't know. She doesn't know. She's just trying to be a good person. She goes down there, uh, and then she, Mia starts, like, going fucking crazy, so she tries to run up the steps. This is when that rotting boards comment comes back. Her foot falls through, slows her down, and then she gets dragged back into the basement. And then there's, like, this whole scene where Mia is, like, ugh, it's gross. She's, like, kissing up her legs and stuff. And then Natalie's, like, ew, gross. And, like, yeah, that's your brother's boy. That's your brother's girlfriend. Leave her alone. And Natalie gets, like, a, she finds, like, a box cutter. And she holds it up to Mia, like, threateningly. And then Mia just, like, pushes her tongue into it and slices her tongue in half like a fucking lizard. It's so gross. And then she's, like kiss me you dirty cunt and she throws herself on Natalie and is like kissing her I don't know if it's like an actual kiss or if she's doing like the vomiting thing again like it's not it's not clear and then she also bites Natalie's hand and that's not good either and that's when like the evil spirit is transferred to her so kind of the rules of the evil spirit in this movie you contract it from someone else via like a bite or, uh, you know, fluids exchange, like when someone vomits into your mouth, or you die and rise as a possessed person. So that's kind of like the rules in this movie. And uh, uh, as Natalie is like trying to fight off Mia, David opens the hatch to the basement. He's like, Natalie, and he, he's like yelling at his sister. He's like, Mia. And Mia goes, Mia's not here, you fucking idiot. <laughs> It's so funny. It's such a, like, it's such a, like, a sister thing to say to a brother. Fucking idiot. Like, bros always be calling their sisters bitches, and sisters always be calling their bros, um, fucking idiots. So, I just think, I just think it's great. Like, I'm like, it's such a sibling line, but also it's the evil spirit, you know? So, it's not actually Mia, but, like, you can see her saying that. And I, I just think that the sibling love on this podcast so far has been amazing. And a lot of this movie is not funny on the first go, but since I've seen it so many times, I, like, always laugh at that line. I love it. Like, I think it's so funny. And then we cut to, like, of course, they, they close up the basement again, and they nail it shut with, like, chains and stuff. Like, they're like, fuck that. We're not touching Mia again. Mia's not getting out of there. Fuck that. Uh, and then David goes and finds Eric and he's trying to burn the book and it just won't burn, which is always a good sign. Definitely a good thing. So then David gets the lowdown on the book from Eric. Um, so Eric is talking about like, you know, the book, it's, you know, it's talking about all these different things and blah, blah, blah. Um, all these different concepts in the book and he's like it's it contradicts itself in so many different ways but um, you know he gets to the point eventually where he's talking about how to cleanse the possessed and in the meantime uh, Natalie has got just like the nastiest fucking infection in her hand it's so gross and she's like trying to push it out and it's just, it's just getting worse, and her hand is, like, doing all this fucked up shit, and it's some really good physical acting, um, and, of course, it's a reference to the original, for those who don't know, in the original, his hand gets possessed, and he cuts it off, so, of course, earlier, we had seen Natalie carving some meat, so, uh, as she realizes her hand is becoming possessed, she decides to, uh, 
pull a pull a note from the book of ash and just cut off her arm with a meat carver and as she's doing it oh it's so good little possessed goblin fucking mia is like looking is like pushing up the basement door but since it's chained down she doesn't get much leeway but she can still see what natalie's trying to do and natalie picks up the meat carver and she's like don't do it don't do it you little bitch and she goes natalie just goes fuck you it starts cutting into her arm and i'm like what a what a fucking badass she's so great and me is such a fucking like goblin down there she's she's like a freaking golem like smeagol bullshit and uh like it's it's so ridiculous so at that point like david and eric walk in and nally's arm is just dangling by bits of flesh it's disgusting and then of course david's like got a duct tape and he doesn't think to like you know burn the wound or anything like that he's like duct tape and at this point i'm like i hope everyone has taken a significant amount of ibuprofen i hope olivia brought at least that i don't know what kind of drugs she bought or brought for uh, mia and her junkie bullshit but i hope she's got some good painkillers for these people in, in her bag because like they they need it and they deserve it um so he's duct taping natalie's wounds and at this point i'm like yeah if you don't wife her i'm gonna kill you myself because she's the best she's badass she's fucking compassionate she's just great love natalie so david is finally willing to consider what eric is saying about this book and the possessed and all this demon bullshit and it's not even that he's like convinced he's just willing to consider it so Eric's talking about ways to cleanse the possessed and there's only, you, in order to cleanse the possessed, you have to kill them, but you have to kill them in certain ways. So you can bury them alive, you can burn them alive, you can dismember them, and then, is there a third way? Behead them. That's, which is kind of like the same, maybe it's just dismembering. So there's just the three ways. So, um... He's like, we gotta, he's like, we gotta do it. And David's like, we're not killing my sister. Like, that's fucked up. And so he's like, my mom was crazy. We get like a little bit more backstory about the mom and David. And we can kind of see why David didn't want to go see his mom, really. And he's like, my mom went crazy. And she was in a fucking insane asylum. She was crazy right before she died. Maybe the same thing's happening to Mia. Which is like a valid thing to think, honestly. Like, some psychological disorders get to the point where it's kind of like that. Uh, so that's pretty valid. Um, so he's, like, suggesting that maybe she just lost it. And Eric is like, you're a fucking coward. And you never, ever do what you need to do. You always run away. And so he, you can just kind of see the root of his anger there at David. Is You know, you can see he's clearly on Mia's side with the whole mom situation. He clearly thinks David ran away from that and left Mia to deal with the whole thing. He's clearly blaming David for Mia's drug addiction because it's kind of implied that her drug addiction started because of her mom dying and her having to deal with all that shit in the hospital. Because her mom, she does mention mom was going crazy and she was hallucinating and she thought I was you. She says that to David. And so it, that's kind of like the root of everything in this movie, which I love. Like the characters and the plot and how they relate to each other are actually relevant in this movie, which I like. Of course, it's not as relevant as the story of, like, the whole being possessed thing. That kind of takes precedence for obvious reasons. But, like, it's still something that we get to see throughout the movie. And I love that. So, um, Eric's calling him a coward. And then we hear this, like, sound. And then Natalie comes into the room. And she's got a nail gun. And she has used it on her own face. And then she, of course, is bad. She's like, it's so terrifying too. She's possessed. She has nails in her face. She has one arm. And that is just fucking terrifying shit. You don't want that coming after you. And of course, she starts going at the boys with the nail gun. And uh, it is just, it's tense. Like, there's the nail gun happening. And then there's um, the gun. And it, you're like, at this point, so Natalie, I, not only was she infected she probably lost a ton of blood and she was kissed by Mia so 
the fact that she cut off her arm in the end really didn't do anything for her, which is sad because, like, that takes takes a lot of resolve to cut off your own arm, so it's kind of sad that didn't do anything for her. Like I said, hashtag justice for Natalie. Rip in peace, Natalie. I miss you. Um, she, they knock her down somehow, and Eric is like, get the gun, David, which, yes, David, get the gun, and he goes to get the gun, but nope, there's a crowbar there, and by there's a crowbar there, I mean Natalie's there with a crowbar, hitting him with it, and wow, uh, the sound in this movie, the sound design for this scene is so, like, mega ow, and then Eric comes to the rescue, he starts shooting her with the nail gun, um, so she turns to Eric, leaves David alone, and as she goes over there, she's beating him with the crowbar. He puts his hand up, and it just, oh, it's so gross. It just slices between his middle finger and his ring finger and just, like, cuts his hand in half. And you're like, wow, that guy's never going to be able to play piano the same. Um, and he just gets the absolute shit beat out of him after that. Like, she hits him in the head so many times and in the chest, and it's like, Ugh! it's so horrible. And then as she's going presumably for the kill, her arm gets blown off by David, who has managed to grab the shotgun. And as she's, like, dying for real, she comes back to herself just in time to die in David's arms, which is so, it's so tragic and it's so hurtful, like, especially for me. I'm Team Natalie. I'm like, oh my gosh. So this girl is just here being a supportive girlfriend to her boyfriend and she comes back to herself after being possessed, and he blew her arm off. She has no arms now, and she's like, why is my face hurt? Why are you hurting me, David? And it's not the possessed Natalie. It's, like, legit Natalie. She's just in a lot of pain, and she's confused. She just dies in David's arms, and you're like, oh my god, that's horrible. Like I said, justice for Natalie. And at this point, David decides to finally bone up and get shit done, and he's like, he tells Eric, he says, I'm gonna do what I gotta do. And good for him. He's amazing. Pours gas everywhere. And he, as he's about to light it, he hears Mia singing that shitty lullaby in the basement. Which, that lullaby would not have convinced me. If someone started singing Baby Little Baby, Time to Say Goodbye, I'd be like, yeah, it's time to say goodbye. And I would drop that fucking lighter. Like, that's... No! Then, this lullaby somehow convinces him not to do this. And then he gets this new scheme, and he goes, like, full Scooby-Doo. And he goes out to the shed to get something, and we see a shot of a chainsaw, which is great. Chainsaw cameo, but it does come back later, so keep that in mind. There's a chainsaw in this movie. Um, but he goes full Scooby-Doo, he's putting shit together, he's doing all this stuff, and you're kind of like, what the hell is he doing? He's doing mechanic shit, okay? Leave him alone. He's problem solving. And then he goes and he gets Olivia's bag, and he decides to get a shot that's going to sedate. Uh, Mia and then he goes into the basement and holy shit what a man like sorry to my brothers but also um I would not be doing that if I were in that situation if I were David and either of you were possessed in a basement um sorry not sorry I'm not going down there for you I'm a set I'm setting the place on fire I'm so sorry but also if the if the roles are reversed like I would get it like it's cool it's fine like please just set me on fire you don't have to go down there I've lived long enough, well enough. If I'm possessed and, like, biting people and cutting myself, like, just set me on fire. That's fine. I get it. You don't have to do go through all this trouble, man. You just, you don't. And this scene is so tense. Because it's a basement. It's dark. The whole basement is, like, flooded. Um, and that just adds, that just adds. It's, it's dark. It's flooded. It's, he's got one flashlight and you know me is like fucking around somewhere doing her demon bullshit and you're like, oh my gosh. Like the first time I saw this, I was like, rip in peace, David. You're not making it through this. There's no way in hell. Especially Mia, the next like second, Mia zooms across the basement. She does not walk. She does not run. She zooms across the basement, starts slicing at David with a box cutter, and then she nearly drowns him. But no. Eric actually mans up and comes to the rescue, which is incredible considering that man should not even be alive, let alone able to like get down into the basement and save someone's life. So he gets down there and he is fully redeemed, becomes a true bro before he dies. And it's actually sad. Like he's like, looks at Dave and he's like, hey man, I missed you, man. And then he dies and it's like, oh, 
But at least he gets to redeem himself, and at least they get to make up, which is really nice. So then David covers Mia in a red dress and drags her body outside and begins burying her alive with a bag over her head, as good brothers do. And Mia wakes up, but David's yelling at her, and he's like, you're not her. So the demon switches tactics to make David feel like shit and starts talking about, like, her, the mom and the hospital and da-da-da-da-da. And also the shot of her head in the bag. Holy shit, it's so fucking creepy. Just, like, the makeup and, like, what she's doing with her facial expressions and just, oh, it's so creepy. And fun fact, Jane Levy was really buried alive for this scene. Like, they had to bury her probably several times, I would imagine, to get the shot right. And she talks about, yeah, I was actually buried. Like, they really buried me. And that is just so insane to me. But anyway, she gets buried alive. David waits till, you know, she should be dead. And then he digs her up. And he creates, he had created, part of his Scooby-Doing shit together was creating this Frankenstein defibrillator made out of, like, really long needles and a car battery. And he makes this thing and he stabs her right into the heart to try to revive her, which is, like, so insane and genius and terrifying at the same time. Like, this is, this is the true power of a mechanic in action. Uh, so he gets that defibrillator in her, tries it a couple of times, and it doesn't seem to work. So uh, David says his goodbyes, and he leaves her body covered on the ground. And it's so cute because he's like, you're at peace. You're at peace. And then uh, as he's walking away, she calls out to him and huzzah. It's alive. She's alive. And it's it's like at, the first time I watched this, I was like, oh, shit, he's about to die. It's not her. But it really is her, and she thanks him for not leaving her, which is really sweet. And then he goes inside to get the car keys, and as he's, like, looking at a photo, Eric stabs him in the neck with pliers, because, um, as I said, you either have to get, like, bodily fluids put in you from the possessed or possessor, or you die, and then you come back as a possessed. That that was going to come back around, guys, I promise. A lot of little things coming back around. So he stabs him in the neck with these pliers and you're just like, fuck not David. Big tears. Big tears, everybody. Big tears. I love David. He's my favorite character aside from Natalie. And he pulls the pliers right out of his neck and you're like, oh, he's so dead. Fun fact, guys. Medical advice 101. Just like common sense stuff. If uh, you get stabbed with something, don't pull it out. Leave it in there because uh, you could bleed out. It's a lot better for you if you just leave it in there and pull it out at the hospital, let the doctors pull it out. Okay? Um, David did not do this. He hasn't listened to this podcast, so David's fucked. So he is bleeding and, like, stumbling around, and Mia comes in to see what the hubbub's about, what's taking him so long, and David kicks Mia out of the cabin. He's like, no, go, 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 and she's like, poor Mia, because she's been possessed this whole time. So she saw the not good while she was possessed, became possessed, has not had to deal with any of the possessed people since then because she was the big possessed. So now she's seeing Eric full possessed and her eyes are like, what the fuck? She just has no idea what's happening. <laughs> and David kicks her out of the cabin and is like, go. He locks the door on her and then he grabs the shotgun and as he's like about to shoot the gas can, Eric is like, he's coming. In like a really great, wonderful voice that you're like, oh, that's... That's comforting. Whoever he is, really don't want to meet him. Uh, and then David shoots the gas can, which blows up the place, because he had already dumped gasoline everywhere. It sets the whole place on fire, which, fun facts, that's not realistic. Um, that would not happen. The best you would do is just get more gas everywhere, because you have to touch the spark to the gasoline in order for it to work. Um, but also, this movie's about possessed people and undead people, so I don't really give a shit. Um, so more tears. David is mega dead. Like, mega, mega dead. Like, he's bleeding out. He's on fire. He's super dead. Super fucked. There's no hope for David. I miss him. And then the blood rain begins. So Eric had mentioned in this book, like, this entity needs to collect five souls and then it can, like, come up out of the hell and there's, like, a blood rain and... You know, so blood rain begins. Poor Mia has no idea about any of this. And this hand comes out of the ground. Gives you big bad vibes. Yikes. 
Um, and then it's also got like a burning touch, which is not great. So this is a chase scene like you wouldn't believe. It is so tense. This whole scene still. There's still parts of it that I'm like, ooh, gross. Get me. Mia's running away from this thing. And uh, she gets in that hole that grandpa was in. And she's. Cr this is the scene that I saw that I was like, I don't know what this movie is, but I can't handle it. I'm out. She's crawling through this hole and the thing is like crawling after her. And so she's got to crawl through this hole faster. And it's like a whole hole. Like it's like, like roots like coming out from all sides of it. And it's like dirty and gross. It's just like n none of what you want in your life. So she crawls into the shed and she's about to grab a machete. But then, ho oh, ho, chainsaw. She's like, upgrade. Hell yeah. So she gets the chainsaw. And she gets the gasoline for it. And the music is so insane during this chase. And I'm so for it. Like, there's this, like, horror, holy shit kind of bullshit going on. And I love it. Um, so she gets the chainsaw. And this thing is coming up out of the hole. And, oh, my gosh, the, the shot of it coming out of the hole is so horrible. You're like, oh, God, run. So she gets, like, between, I don't know how you, how, how you would say it really it's maybe it's like the shelving and the back wall or it's like the drywall or a new wall in the back wall but either way she's in between two walls Mia is she crawls there and uh the big bad sees the machete and grabs the machete and she's just the, the big bad is just stabbing it through the wood wall at Mia like hoping to catch her blindly and she does a couple of times. And the worst of it is when she slides over Mia's knee. Like she, she stabs through the hole and it goes through Mia's knee. And then she slides it slow, or the thing slides it slowly out. And you're like, oh God. Like you can just feel it. It's so bad. It's so great. And then Mia notices that she can bust out the back of the shed through the wall. So she does. She crawls under the jeep to get the chainsaw started and she does and then she she like she's so great she catches one of the big bad's like legs and it falls over and you're like ha get fucked and she's so she's trying to crawl out from under the jeep but then this monstrosity just like flips the jeep on top of her arm and she's like screaming of course and luckily she already got the chainsaw going so she's got her arm is like crushed under the jeep and the big bat is crawling at her, which it has to crawl now because Mia took one of her legs. Ha ha, get fucked. So the thing is crawling towards her and she like looks at the thing and looks at the jeep and she looks at the thing and she's just like, fuck this and rips her arm out from under the jeep. Total badass move. And then the thing is in front of her. She's standing up. She's got her little stump arm and the chainsaw on She's got her stump arm and then the chainsaw in her hand. And the thing looks up at her and goes, I will feast on your soul. And then she just sticks her stump arm into, like, the to the handle of the chainsaw. And she goes, feast on this, motherfucker. And just throws, like, slams the chainsaw into this monstrosity's throat. And it's so great. It's my favorite line in the movie. It's just so good. And, uh, like, the first time, like, it's like the... The most genuine relief you feel in the whole movie, regardless of if it's your first time watching or your hundredth time watching, it's so good. And then the demon, she just, like, she starts chainsawing the fuck out of that thing, as as you should and as you would. And uh, she chainsaws it pretty much in half, and it's, like, laying on the ground and just slowly starts seeping back into the ground, and then the blood rain stops, and then... The sun rises, the book closes itself, and then we get title card, um, which is great. And then um, you go through, and the credits have the audio clips from the like the doctor, the professor, whatever he is, in the original Evil Dead, and that's really great. Like if you skip through, like if you go through all the normal credits, there's like credits toward the end that have that as the background music. And then at the very, very, very end, you get the Bruce Campbell cameo. He's a uh, Ash, and he's just like he's just lit really darkly, and he's just like groovy, and looks at the camera one second, and then it cuts out. And I think I heard rumors somewhere that 
they did that because the plan was to have this evil dead connect with the other evil dead at some point. But I don't know if they ever did that. I don't know if they did that in the show. I think the idea was dropped, but I, I'm not really sure. I haven't seen the show. So maybe they did end up going through with it just on the show. Like I said, I have no idea. But this movie, it was kind of planned to have more of these, but um, I think because there was such a volatile reaction from fans of the original um, that they just kind of dropped the idea entirely. Um, but I love this movie. I think it's wonderful. I highly recommend it if you are looking for something that is just insane and terrifying and tense, like something that's just going to keep you on the edge of your seat. If that's what you're looking for, this is for sure that movie. It's wonderful. Uh, I I just, I'll, I'll put it on sometimes just to have it on in the background because I'm just weird like that. I just love it. I love the effects in this movie. I love the acting in this movie. I love the characters, even the ones I hate. I, I love that I hate them so much. They're done so well. And like I said, the acting in this, these actors had to commit to these roles like hardcore. Like Jay and Levy went through some shit to film this. And major props to her. She does an amazing job selling Mia and Possessed Mia. Like, she just does an amazing job. And I love, like I said, Natalie. Justice for Natalie, man. She deserved better. David's a wonderful character. Eric redeems himself. Olivia's the one I feel the most meh about. And then, of course, Grandpa is the best of all time. We miss and love Grandpa. He deserved better as well. Um, but that's it for this podcast, guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, I'm not sure what I'm going to be talking about next. Possibly Session 9. It just came out on Shudder. And I do love that movie. I've got the physical copy of it. So thinking maybe I might do a review on that. Thanks again for listening, everybody. This has been the Beware the Moon podcast. Um, have fun. Be safe. Don't be reading out of evil books. Watch out for blood rain. And always, beware the moon. <laughs>